Hello and welcome to the Health and Wellness Show. Today is September 15, 2017. Joining us in our virtual studio from all across the planet is Tiffany, Doug, Elliot, and I am Erica, your host today. Yay! So Hello. today, Hello. hi, Jonathan's not here, so I'm the host. Yeah. I'm going to attempt to fill Jonathan's role. So today we're going to talk about what's the deal with AIDS. The disease we now call AIDS burst into the scene in 1981 after a group of gay males in New York City and Orange County were stricken with a rare type of pneumonia and sarcoma. A year later, GRID, gay-related immune deficiency, morphed into AIDS, acquired immune deficiency syndrome. And in 1984... Ironically, <laughs> the probable cause of AIDS was named. It was called HIV or human immune, immunodeficiency virus, and the entire world recoiled in fear while subjected to a publicity campaign the likes of which no one had ever seen. According to the HIV slash AIDS researchers, everyone, not just gay men and IV drug users, were susceptible. The science was clear, and to be diagnosed was a death sentence. So today in our discussion, we're going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it a death sentence? From the beginning, there was a disturbing questions raised regarding the shoddy scientific methods involved in identifying HIV and the unreliable testing parameters required for a definitive diagnosis. These questions were never fully answered by mainstream science, and what we're left with is a morass of confusion, contradiction, and, of course, suffering and death. So join us as we ask this question, what if the AIDS-HIV hypothesis is just that, a hypothesis? And we do encourage our listeners to call in if you'd like or join us in the chat because we're just having a discussion about this today. We know that it is a hot topic. Well, not so much anymore, but it was for several years and People get very emotionally worked up by it on and both very sides fearful. and afraid. And so we're just going to have mm. a discussion about it. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the first question is to ask is why now? Why did we choose this topic? I don't know. Doug, why did you choose this topic? <laughs> <laughs> it actually just came up in conversation um, over the course of the week and we were we were talking about it and the movie uh, House of Numbers was mentioned, and I thought, oh, yeah, I've actually never seen that. And um, I didn't know a lot about the topic, and, and the the people who I was talking with, uh, one of them was a little bit more familiar with the idea that, you know, there isn't really anything behind the whole AIDS thing, and it is really more or less just kind of publicity and money-making schemes all kind of piled on top of each other. And uh and I was just kind of like, oh, that's interesting. And, and this is something that we haven't actually covered on the show much. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of thought yeah. maybe we should do a show on it. We talked about it very briefly with the very first guest that we had on our show, Dr. Klaus Kernlein. And he is one of the authors of Virus Mania. And we talked about HIV and AIDS a little bit, but that wasn't the entire mm-hmm. focus of the show. But... Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's uh it's a touchy subject for people. Like if you talk to people who came up during that era and lived in New York and the Los Angeles area and perhaps, you know, mingled in certain scenes, had a lot of gay friends, and they started seeing all of their friends start getting sick and dying and you know, they maybe were at their deathbeds holding their hands. I mean, it's a very emotional topic for a lot of people. And a lot of people were hurt by it and loads and loads and loads of people died. So we don't want to make light of this and, you know, kind of poo-poo the whole subject because people have died. Now, whether they died from AIDS, and I use air quotes here, or there were other factors involved, doesn't negate the suffering that they went through. But still, like with everything else, we have to get out the microscope and look at it closely. I mean, it might not be politically correct, some of the things Mm -hmm. we might say, and it might go against, well, it definitely will go against the mainstream view, but we want to find out the truth. So people will get triggered. Yes. Yeah, and I think that's because it's become so politicized. I mean, because the disease or, yeah, you know, again, air quotes there, what you know because it was affecting mainly kind of the gay population um and you know in the beginning and and you know despite the fact that it uh kind of morphed into kind of being something that affects everybody um it it ended up getting really politically charged and and it seems to you know go along these kind of political lines now mm-hmm. so it's kind of like if if anybody uh, you know questions the mainstream aids hypothesis they're kind of lumped into this sort of conservative type group and they're a denialist and they're homophobic and all these sorts of things when really it shouldn't, it it should be divorced of all that kind of stuff. Like really, you know, if you're looking at what a disease is and what, you know, what causes it, what, uh, what, uh, whether or not it exists, I think you really need to kind of put all that kind of stuff aside and just kind of take a look just at the evidence and, and keep the politics out of it because, um, it really isn't a political subject. It's about kind of digging down and really getting into the truth of the matter. Yeah. And that might help with just a little bit of timeline. So as it says in our description, Mm. you know, in 1981, it was called what the gay plague. Yeah. And then from gay related immune deficiency. Yeah. And, and in, in 81, the CDC, um, alerted the medical world to this outbreak of this rare kind of pneumonia and sarcoma. And, um, in, in that year, 160, young gay men died. And as as Tiffany said, it was New York City, it was Orange County, it was also San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And and I grew up in San Francisco in the eighties and I and I watched a lot of gay men die. Mm-hmm. People that my mm-hmm. mother worked with, um, friends, fathers, and I have seen the devastation that it causes. I have watched people waste away. Mm-hmm. And when you're that young and that impressionable, you are implanted with that idea, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? That it was a gay disease. I didn't see any straight people dying from it, mm-hmm. you know? And that, and then this whole lifestyle also was kind of in there as well. Um, mm-hmm. Well, people get a kind of uncomfortable when you bring lifestyle into it because that strikes fear that, you know, oh, the... Christians are going to come out of the woodwork and say they caused this themselves. They deserved it because of their sick lifestyles and all that. But it's 
really not saying that. There are certain practices that one engages can engage in that can adversely affect your health. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. just like with diet or drinking a lot of diet soda or, you know, sniffing poppers at a club mm-hmm. all night. Those are all lifestyle things. And I don't think that it's disparaging gay people to point those things out because some of them themselves mm. have talked about that, like the things that they get up to in the clubs directly contributes to their states of health. So I guess we can get into that. Like, uh, Well, also wanna... the, the amount of sexual partners that mm-hmm. a lot of them admitted to having, like I think one man was sharing, you know, a thousand in a year. Mm-hmm. And so also in in that realm of all the STDs that they had gone through as well. Mm-hmm. So that would fall under that lifestyle as well. So one of the things they found was something called pneumocystis pneumonia carini. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that right. But this is one of the things that they found in these men that came down with GRID, the gay-related immune disorder. So that's tied directly to sniffing amyl nitrate or poppers in clubs or wherever. Um, I guess it increases blood flow. It gives you kind of a rush and it's an aphrodisiac and it also damages your lungs and can cause this pneumocystic pneumonia. And another thing that it can cause is these lesions on your skin called Kaposi's sarcoma, which is another thing that they found in this groups of young men who were dying. And it was interesting oh. in 81, that whole, uh, the CDC published their first list of 12 AIDS sicknesses, and both of those were listed. Mm-hmm. You were going to say something, Gabby? The impression that I have is that Nobody talks about HIV anymore. That's my impression, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, in mainstream medicine. Nobody talks about it anymore. It's not an issue anymore. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, this might not be directly related, but if you see the addiction in the population nowadays, it has shifted also to opioids like fentanyl, illegal type of Mm -hmm. fentanyl. Like, I don't hear anybody doing these poppers anymore. Like, I've never seen anything like it, even remotely like it, you know, in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if that is related. Yeah, they were talking about in those in, back in the 80s that the drugs of choice were the poppers, but also like um, ecstasy and DMT and um, ketamine, super K, they called it. And so really knocking your immune system down. Yeah, so mm-hmm. when you combine the poppers and the various drugs and the multiple STDs and just the act of physically having anal sex and how that alters your gut biome because there's enemas and lubricants involved in that and the multiple, multiple rounds of antibiotics that people who have multiple STDs take, then it's no wonder that your immune system, after a number of years of doing those things, that your immune system is compromised. Mm. Yeah, and there's there's also the the fecal matter, which inevitably, you know, gets into the penis, and I guess would spread through to the tissues. Mm. And so, um, you know, I I sort of 
I can't imagine that that wouldn't play a role as well, you know, mm-hmm. having unprotected anal sex and having like fecal matter enter into the body, potentially into the bl- bloodstream. You know, you don't know what sort of pathogenic bacteria or whatever is is in that substance. And so um, you are potentially um, exposing yourself to a wide range of pathogens and sort of disease causing agents that wouldn't mm-hmm. normally um, be be so common to come across yeah Mm. and and that being said if you stop engaging in certain lifestyle practices then you would probably get better with Mm. good nutrition Mm. rest and you know all the things that make people more healthy but you add on top of that the treatment well before we go there we gotta stick to our timeline (laughs) okay go ahead so in 1984 secretary of health and services margaret heckler Another interesting. <laughs> announced that a virus, a virus is the probable cause of probable. AIDS. Probable. Yes. <laughs> and a retrovirus came to be named HIV and announced the germ cause of AIDS before any studies had ever been published. Mm. So they just came out and said it. Um, virologist Robert, Dr. Robert Gallo, some call him the father of science, submitted a patent for his HIV antibody blood test and millions of dollars were uh, made in royalties. So now we see mm. our famous, infamous Big Pharma stepping in. Yeah. Yeah. Bob Gallo sounds like the Ansel Keys of the AIDS world <laughs> to me. <Yeah. laughs> Seriously. And it was but, interesting, uh, too, because uh, in, in the, um, the movie uh, House of Numbers, um, there was a, a, a guy who was talking about how the CDC apparently was looking for a plague at this time. Now, I don't know how actively they were looking for it, but it, apparently, you know, polio was basically um, not really an issue anymore. And they were getting their funding cut and there was all, you know, the CDC's days were numbered, basically. So they were wanting some kind of major um, epidemic plague type thing to really hype up and kind of you know, reignite their purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, something comes along. Well, that goes back to yeah. our timeline, because in 1987, the CDC reversed its first list of 12 diseases and then changed it to 25. So now they're trying to pull more stuff into it as mm-hmm. people are researching it. And a lot of so people were diseases, researching it. Yeah, they were saying in in one of the videos we watched that um, it's over the 25 years that it was researched, they spent more money than they did on cancer and heart disease research, like at the tune of 150 billion or something. That's big pharma interests for you. Mm-hmm. Well, Robert Gallo and another French scientist named Luc Montagnier were both trying to identify what the cause for this grid disease was. They hadn't even named it HIV yet. So they were both working on it, and Robert Gallo said that he found it. He found what it is. But it turns out that whatever virus particle that he had was the same one that Montagnier had. Mm -hmm. And Montagnier accused him of stealing it. 
And first Robert Gallo said that wasn't true. And then he said, oh, yeah, they actually are the same, but it was probably due to lab contamination. So there was this whole big back and forth argument. So the governments of both the U.S. and France got involved and they said, "Okay, let's just stop this. We're going to call this HIV, the, the one virus that we found, and we can take out a patent and both countries will benefit from the patent for the HIV test. And then they had that press conference and yeah, before Robert Gallo even published any of his papers. And that was the same day that he filed for a patent for the HIV test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Dr. Montagnier is actually a Nobel Prize winning virologist. So, mm. yeah, you know, he had some experience with viruses. Yeah. Well, that's well, he said some interesting the... things about it that we have a clip playing yeah. for. Yeah, but all we seem to get just from listening to Robert Gallo being interviewed is just him being a jerk. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I was going to say it's interesting that the two different scientists, their approach to it, you know, because Gallo is just kind of fully behind pushing the HIV hypothesis of AIDS, whereas um, Montagnier seems a little bit more well, like a scientist, actually, mm-hmm. and, and and is willing to say that you know that there's nothing really conclusive, and you know he doesn't he he doesn't kind of um, push the mainstream perspective. He's a little bit more uh, cautious. Well, there's this other group of scientists. I guess you can call them AIDS denialists. But they're called the Perth Group, and they have a lot of problems with the HIV virus itself. They say that it was never purified. There's just fragments and debris that they're looking at and that Robert Gallo didn't fo- uh, follow the usual scientific methods of isolating a retrovirus and that the pictures that he produced were subpar and do they even really indicate that this is HIV virus that he took a picture of? So there's mm-hmm. a lot of questions on their part about HIV itself. Like, does it exist or does it not? Yeah, And they can never get anybody to answer that question fully because no one ever says, okay, this is HIV. We isolate it. Here it is. Here's a, an electron microscopy photograph of it. Mm-hmm. No one's ever produced it. And anybody who came out with research, like they were researching it at UC Berkeley, and I don't know if you guys remember the name of the doctor who, who was doing that. It will come back to me in a moment. But they just started you know, wanting to publish information, questioning Mm -hmm. that. And, you know, in the top five journals like Nature and Science and a few others, and their research wouldn't get published. And then, you know, comes the whole campaign that they're denialists and then they lose their funding so they can't continue to research. And then they're relegated to, you know, teaching lab to undergrad. And what happened to Peter Duesberg? Yes, Duesberg. That's Mm -hmm. his name. And when you, and we'll put the links up for some of the documentaries that we watch, when you see him speak, he's he's really clear cut, like just mm-hmm. what you were saying, Tiffany. There's nothing that shows, you know, with a virus, you would get sick within days. And mm-hmm. they're saying, oh, it could be latent for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also said that most viruses, he believes that HIV, if it is what it purports to be, is a dormant human retrovirus. And 
there's nothing about it that says that it is spread widely over the population. Yeah, and the interesting thing about retroviruses, um, apparently they, they make up roughly um, 10% of the human genome. Um, and so they're, they're located on the, on the chromosomes in, in regulatory sites. So they're said or they're theorized to be sort of um, useful for, for the human species to adapt to different environments. And so um, they, they're purported to have sort of many functions other than, you know, this idea that you catch a virus and you get sick. Um, th- there's, there's many scientists who are actually saying that, well, viruses are, are what helped all species on Earth actually evolve um, in, in that it, it almost like information carriers whereby they detect certain environmental um, environments, like what's going on in the environment and allow the DNA to be expressed in a way that is um, f- sort of beneficial for that organism's survival and so um if we take that idea into consideration that maybe retroviruses um are not necessarily the the thing that we uh, are not necessarily the bad guys and we just think okay maybe there are some conditions in which the body um expresses these retroviruses or it allows them to to sort of express themselves um, for whatever purpose. And so um, I'm not sure if we want to go into this yet, but this could help to explain, for instance, um, why something like AIDS, um, the, the term is really not very well defined whatsoever. Um, as as we've sort of said, is that, <laughs> uh, scientists have had trouble sort of isolating the, the specific sort of HIV, but what they've also had trouble with is finding like a, a, a pro- proper definition for the term AIDS, and it kind of mimics multiple other conditions at the same time. And so you, you have a situation whereby um, you have someone with tuberculosis, like one of the articles said, um, you have an individual with tuberculosis and um, they're hi- HIV negative. So they get their blood tested. They don't have HIV. Then they are just diagnosed with tuberculosis. But if they get symptoms that mimic tuberculosis and then they test for HIV and it comes up that they are HIV positive, then they are no longer um they're no longer defined as tuberculosis patients. They're actually AIDS patients. So mm-hmm. this the, the the term AIDS is kind of like a blanket statement that that sort of can encompass anything, any any sort of pathological condition as long as HIV is present. And so that that doesn't really and sometimes make sense. not surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, uh, as well. <laughs> we can get into that later. <laughs> so, do we want to play this clip since we're just talking about Montagnier? Sure. Uh, he is talking about. HIV here. And hopefully the sound comes out okay. Uh, this documentary, parts of it, they were filming in a high traffic area. So here we go. In 1992, something extraordinary happened. A conference was organized in Amsterdam called AIDS A Different View, and many members of the Orthodoxy signed up to attend. Joanne Sawicki at Sky News agreed to broadcast a news report from there. It was here that the now Nobel laureate, Dr. Luc Montagnier, 
told the world that you don't necessarily die if you have HIV. We are seeing people which have been infected for 9, 10 years or more, or more 10, 12 years, and they are still in good shape. Their immune system is still good. And it's in, it is unlikely those people will come down, will come down with AIDS uh, later. Two years before, in 1990, when we'd interviewed Luc Montagnier for the AIDS catch, he'd had doubts about HIV being able to do the whole job. He said HIV needed cofactors to do any damage. At first, yes, we thought we had the best, the best candidate uh, this virus, uh, for this virus to be the cause of AIDS. But uh, after a while, even from the beginning, actually, we, we thought maybe uh, for the activation of that virus in cells, we uh, had to, we need some cofactors. So I would agree that HIV by itself, or some strains of HIV, are not sufficient to induce AIDS. In 1997, in an interview with filmmaker Jamel Tahi, published in Continuum magazine, Montagne said that HIV had never been purified. Well, of course, we looked for it. We saw some particles, but they didn't have the morphology of retroviruses. He later said... I repeat, we did not purify. It was startling that Professor Montaigne decided to acknowledge in his interview with Jamel Tahi and Continuum that as far back as 1983, his team were not able to purify anything that you might call HIV, despite what he termed a, a, a Roman effort. So who should be surprised that when the same thing was attempted by expert laboratories in Germany and the United States who published their results in the journal Virology, what they found was proteins and cellular debris. Then in Pretoria... Hugh tackled Luc Montagne on the purification question. Was the first genome taken from purified virus? Well, it's, uh, identified with purified virus. It was not made from purified virus, but it doesn't matter because you clone, you know, oh, you clone DNA once it's cloned, it's pure. So you think it's not necessary to begin with a purified sample? No, not at all. But it's, it's really past techniques. We are now in the world of modern molecular biology and uh, everything has changed. You know? I, I, I can only offer you one thing, which is then it's easy to, to make these people be quiet. Just go back and do the simple purification business that wasn't done. And then they will have to agree. Well, this has been it's done by pharmaceutical company. The first, the first AIDS test, the first HIV test was done with purified virus. So what they did is to produce, mass produce the virus and uh, purify it by several, uh, what you call, uh, uh, density gradient centrifugation. And you get a burn and you can look at the electron microscope, you see a lot of other particles. Uh -huh. Of course, it's not 100% pure. No material, no biological material is 100% pure. Oh, very close to pure. Then. Very close to pure. But no one has ever seen those photographs. They've seen it and they've seen it through the rest, but never for HIV. Uh, well, we, we, are, we, are we, uh, we have made pictures. We didn't publish them because we published the first picture. We could not, you know, uh, when we send other pictures to, to journalists, uh, we have seen, we have seen uh, that before. We don't care. This is how you win your argument. You just showed them the photo. Sorry? You just showed them the photograph and then you will win your argument. I don't have with, with them with me. Eh, fine, but, uh, you can solve it all. But uh, oh. this, is, this is very old. Uh, old problem which have been solved well, for many years. So it's not really an argument. don't need to purify anymore, and we don't need to isolate according to the previous conventions of virology, and we don't have a real picture of the retrovirus HIV, then what do we have?
exactly. What do we have? We don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Yeah. In the House of yeah. Numbers documentary, they, he actually, you know, went to a, a number of experts on the um, electromicroscopy type stuff. And none of them seemed overly impressed with the uh, the photos that had come out mm -hmm. of um, HIV. You know, they were kind of basically looking at it saying, well, you know, that could actually be anything. You know, it could mm -hmm. just be cellular debris. It could be just proteins. Like, it's not, you know, so the the fact that there are pictures out there floating around of it, I don't think is a, an open and shut case because there seems to be a lot of controversy around these as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And why is it that with viruses that you catch usually, like colds, serve, what's that, HPV, chicken pox, <laughs> Measles. <laughs> for her, maybe herpes. Well, they clear up on their own. They go away. Mm. What makes HIV so special? Mm. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> there. I guess there are some viruses that stick around, like you said, herpes and uh, shingles. Um, Even shingles and herpes have periods of dormancy they're not yeah, that's gonna true. fester inside of you and all of a sudden you're dead no that's true yeah can we get into the aids testing because <laughs> this is one thing that really really ticked me off too okay so <laughs> i was looking at my I timeline was, and i lost the year when i was uh, <laughs> <laughs> at a job where we had to have certain vaccinations and I had chicken pox as a child naturally naturally acquired chicken pox which was fabulous I remember it huh. being a very fun time in my life so I wasn't going to get a, a chicken pox vaccine there was no way so they said well you can get a titer so I went to the lab and I got my blood drawn and it showed that I had a very high antibody response to chicken pox, which essentially means that I'm immune to getting the chicken pox. Mm. So when you get tested for HIV, you have an antibody response. That means that you have HIV and you're going to die of AIDS. How does that make sense? <laughs> <laughs> Anytime you have an antibody response, isn't that a good thing that your immune system is strong and it can fight it? That's mm. one thing. That's in my view, in my non-scientific view, <laughs> that is wrong with the test, but there's many others. So Yeah, well, I, I think one of the major problems with the tests is that they are so wildly inaccurate <laughs> to put it mildly <laughs> and it kind of seems to depend on who made the test whether or not you're going to come up with a positive or a negative or even you know how to interpret the test um i remember again going back to house of numbers at one point the the narrator was saying that you know with a test that says x you know here i am he was standing right at the u.s canadian border and he stood on the American side and he says, here, I have AIDS. And then he walks across the border and he's like, here, I don't have AIDS. So it's kind of like, <laughs> it depends on 
where, you know, who made the test, who's reading the results, and what is the standard for reading the results. So all these different things come into play. And it's, it's, it's like when you consider the fact that somebody gets a test and if it comes out positive, their life is basically ruined. It's like there shouldn't be this much ambiguity. And the thing about the tests is they don't have, like, the HIV virus as the control to test to see if you make uh, antibodies against that virus. I don't know what the heck's in that test. They're just checking for an antibiotic, um, an antibody response. So it's not a direct test even to say, yes, you have HIV virus in your blood. They're just testing an antibody response and pregnant women people with candiasis people with tb people with uh stds people with rheumatoid arthritis or autoimmune disorders can trigger a positive result yeah there's 70 70 (laughs) different conditions that can give you a positive on an hiv test without actually having hiv yeah i thought that was the most sort of crazy aspect of all this is that i mean it kind of shines light on how um oh, what's the word i guess how how inaccurate it, it could it could be whereby i mean there, there's accounts of people going for a hiv test and then testing positive and committing suicide mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. but but yeah. when you when you look at all of these other conditions, like even something like you just mentioned, Tiff, someone, a pregnant woman could test positive HIV, yeah? I mean, like, how could they get it so wrong? You know, it just baffles the mind. How could they get it so wrong in that? Yeah, I'm lost for words. Yeah. 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 And it even says on the inserts for the testing kits. May cause false. Yes. May cause false positives or... This test is not a definitive diagnosis. Further testing is needed. So then they yeah. go to a Western blot test and you have to look at all these bands of whatever it is and interpret the bands. So it can depend on the manufacturer of the test, the interpreter of the test. And then they have the viral load test after that. But none of them are really definitive for saying this person has HIV. Yeah. And then as soon as you get a diagnosis, they're going to stick you on all those drugs, especially if you're a pregnant woman, then you get put on the drugs that are supposed to stop you from passing the virus onto your infant. Mm -hmm. And of course, those all come with a host of side effects. I guess we'll get into that later on, but... uh, It's um, it's been shown in in animals that um, animals that were previously tested for HIV, they came up negative, but then when they were put on, um, on sort of antiparasitic protocols um, because they had like roundworm or something, um, it showed that, that they developed antibodies to these kinds of retroviruses. So the question becomes is, okay, if, if HIV is this retrovirus, um, and you have got antibodies against that, you know, is, is that just, well, I mean, I mean, it is, it's just your body fighting off or, or attacking something that doesn't necessarily need to be there. And then how you can jump from, from that sort of natural immune response to 
this devastating condition, this terminal illness, um, it's such a large leap. It's like a complete leap of faith, you know, how, how that connection was made kind of defies logic you know it it doesn't yeah. make any sense and there's not really much evidence to back it up because you can have people who suffer or who are hiv positive but as luke montagnier said they can live the rest of their lives you know perfectly healthily similarly you can have people who display all of the symptoms of aids yet don't have these antibodies for this so-called hiv retrovirus mm-hmm. so it kind of seems like you know as we know there's a lot of money involved here um Mm -hmm. and there was there were people yeah yeah and there were people who were trying to explain um the rapid sort of onset of this terrible sort of set of symptoms among a certain population namely the homosexuals um and i guess it's kind of like a scapegoat in this sense, you know, if you can mm. come up with some fancy, fancy idea, um, then you can kind of, um, you know, you can, you can get people to believe this, but it, what, what that does is it kind of, uh, stops people from looking any further into the pop- possible genuine causes of, of why so many of those people were suffering from, from like this terrible disease. Mm. Um, yeah. really, you could even yeah. call it that. You really see that with the whole Africa AIDS yes. thing. It's, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's what was just so heartbreaking about the documentaries was, you know, and we all heard it, you know, it's Africa and, you know, people are dying. and Because like you, they're so sexually promiscuous. Yes. Yeah. And like you said, Elliot, <laughs> really, got it. yeah, the underlying cause is extreme poverty and malnutrition. But, and but, lack of sanitation, dirty water, and all these yeah. vaccine campaigns that just so have to be going around in the poorest parts of Africa. I mean, maybe I just pulled that one out of the air, but it does mm, happen. I don't think so. But mostly, yeah. you know, all this money that they're throwing at AIDS and, oh, we need to, you know, get all Find these AIDS Find drugs into Africa and help these people. They're suffering. They need more AIDS drugs. All that money they could pour into infrastructure, trying mm-hmm. to help people raise themselves out of poverty, just cleaning up the water. And you would see all that stuff go away. I mean, there's already like rampant malaria and tuberculosis. Those Cholera, things, leprosy. yeah, all those diseases are related to poor sanitation and dirty water and your immune system gets degraded over time and then all of a sudden they come along with some dodgy test and you have aids well the crazy thing about it is that a lot like these symptoms um were in africa long before you know aids came around Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you know they but basically they just suddenly had like a label for it and, you know, that was, I, I think it really all does come down to money. And it's like, it's not, they're not interesting in, in, interested in fixing the infrastructure and actually getting these people into a, like, humane existence. Mm-hmm. They want to just pump drugs into them. So and it's, it's a perfect it, opportunity it, to have guinea pigs. Yes. That aren't yeah. going to have scientists at universities publishing research, you know. I mean, it's a huge experiment. 
And one thing about AIDS in Africa is that it affected men, women, and children alike, unlike the beginnings of AIDS in America, which was mostly seen in homosexual males and IV drug users. Yeah. Yeah, but it's almost like it's a different a, disease. Yes. <sighs> Whatever. You know, like can. this this uh, brings us to question, like, what is AIDS? You know, it's a set of symptoms and it, it can encompass any any kind of sort of a pathological autoimmune disease. I mean, if you look at an AIDS patient and then you look at a final stage cancer page, patient, I mean, the, if the person didn't, test HIV positive, the, the, the symptoms are, are practically um, the same. You know, mm-hmm. you, you can barely define, you can't define AIDS. It's, it's, uh, it's, it can encompass so many things. And so this is the problem. It's like, okay, so you, you see that all of these people in Africa, they suffer from this particular thing. You see the, um, the homosexual population, they suffer from this particular thing and, and so you have to look at what are they being exposed to in their lifestyles that is that is potentially at, at the root of this if it is not the HIV um, virus yeah and so I mean a lot of the time um, AIDS patients will also suffer from things like rheumatoid arthritis they are way more susceptible to, to all sorts of autoimmune conditions um, and so that, I mean, that doesn't really make sense for one, because supposedly AIDS is the um, sort of deficiency of the immune system. Mm-hmm. It's a lowered immune immune system. But then at the same time, they say that <laughs> autoimmune conditions are an overreactive immune system. So <laughs> one of those things doesn't add up. Either Either the immune system is working too hard or the immune system is not working. So I tend toward looking at it in the latter way, uh, in that all of the, all kind of conditions, especially all term conditions, are not necessarily an overreactive immune response. They seem to be an under underreactive immune response. So um, to to understand this a little bit in more depth, you have to look at the um, the the sort of regulator of the immune system as a whole. So one uh, you have a you have a gland. Um, and that is called the thymus gland. And so this is basically where uh, a lot of your immune cells um, are controlled and, and they're produced. And so if you look at, uh, say, the African lifestyle, say, in a, in, in a posit- poverty-stricken area, um, those guys are going to be subject to a lot of stress. Yeah. So that mm. can be nutritional deficiencies that can be struggling to get clean water, um, you know, feeding the family. I mean, I I dread to think how many stresses those guys actually come across. Civil um, war. But so, yes, yeah, civil war. I mean, over and out, they, those guys have had a, a hell of a time, you know, in recent years. And I'm sure that's gone on for quite a long time as well. But to think the average lifestyle of someone in 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 poverty over over in those countries, um, the that is going to have a significant effect on their levels of stress. Okay, and so stress has an interesting impact on the thymus gland. Uh, it actually turns out that chronic stress, um, one of the first 
tissues to be targeted to break down for glucose by cortisol uh, is the thymus gland. So they found that when someone is subject to chronic stress, the thymus gland rapidly shrinks. Okay, it's broken down really, really quickly. It's actually preferentially um, attacked. And so if you think you've got someone who's chronically stressed, their thymus gland begins to be broken down by all these stress hormones. And what can happen then is when the thymus gland shrinks, it no longer works. Um, the, the, the B cells, they're kinds of immune cells. Um, they, they, they produce antibodies. Okay. But at the same time, um, the cortisol also damages many of the other tissues. Uh, so this can be your ligaments. This can be your joints. This can be your organs. Okay. And so, <laughs> uh, these antibodies, uh, uh sort of, they're, they're let loose and they're, they're there to, to pick up the debris. Okay. Pick up the debris of decaying tissue. All right. But they can also lose their sensitivity to your own tissues. So autoimmunity can actually be caused by stress in that it, 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 it lose it. it um, Maybe I'm getting a bit off topic. I'm kind of losing myself a bit here. But no, I think <laughs> what I'm trying... you're doing good because it, you can even see that in America with the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I mean, yeah, this is the implication the of being told you're HIV positive. Just think of the stress of that. And the stigma associated with it is an additional stress. Yeah. In first world conditions where mm-hmm. you have access to all the things that you could use to get better. Yeah, and, and if you look at the, pre, the the sort of onset of AIDS, it came at the same time as all of these other conditions. It's mm-hmm. not like it just randomly appeared. Um, it came at the same time as cancer started rising, autoimmune conditions started rising, cardiovascular disease started rising. So, mm. you know, the only thing to differentiate this from anything else is is the HIV positive. But we've, we know that HIV positive can, can be HIV positive from one lab and HIV negative from another lab. So it just seems like this HIV stuck is, is used as to, to explain all of these other conditions when it, it doesn't really work out. Mm. And there's even parts of Africa where the testing is too cumbersome or too expensive. And they have something called the, the Bangui rule where back in 1985, uh, they needed a way to figure out how to diagnose people as HIV positive without the test. So they got together and they decided that if they have like a persistent cough or they're losing a lot of weight or fatigue or something like that, you don't even necessarily have to test them for HIV. You can just say that they have it. Mm. Brings a new light on the numbers you see coming out of Africa. Yeah. How many AIDS cases, how many HIV cases. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the, the the press would have you believe that that place, like, you know, you don't set foot in Africa or you're going to get AIDS. Yeah. This is basically everybody. Everybody's got it. Yeah. But, um, you know, how they're getting those numbers is just, you know, it's it, it just seems like a complete scam, basically. Yeah, I don't trust any of it. Any of yeah. it. I'm, with I'm you. to the point right now, if somebody tells me that the sky is blue, I got to look up and see for myself. <laughs> 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 that is just how, it's just, I don't trust scientific research. 
anymore. And I blame it all on Gabby because <laughs> she, she is the one who started publishing all these articles about how there was so much fraud in scientific research. But Thanks, Gabby. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, Gabby. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it is, I think, the lesson to, to, you know, to keep because when you read anything, like it could be any topic, you just like constantly ask questions like, mm-hmm. am I going to accept this? Why is this? Who says so? It's like it opens mm-hmm. a whole new adventure, I think. And in medicine, we have seen how it, it applies, you know, for so many current topics and how much suffering, you know, mainstream medicine has caused. Mm-hmm. Um, I even, you know, yeah. Like even on alternative medicine and the new agey types, it's just like I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. It's like my red alert is just like check everything. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's it. <laughs> well, speaking yeah. of uh, Western medicine and medical treatments, uh, when we talk about AIDS patients, I think we should differentiate between people who take the medic medications as a treatment and people who don't. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the test significance comes in, right? Because if people start questioning the whole testing system, whether mm-hmm. it's accurate or not, or if it's scientifically bankrupt, then the, the, the whole certainty around it. The whole thing will collapse. It all collapses. Yeah, but yeah. people today, if they don't know any better, they get a test and they might get it confirmed or they might not with the Western blot or a viral load. They might look on the CDC's website and follow their advice. Like uh, if you're a pregnant woman, you should start treatment immediately. If you uh, just found out that you are HIV positive, that's when your viral load is the highest allegedly. So you should start treatment immediately and the treatment that they offer. Um, as Klaus uh, Kernline said in our interview that we had with him, the treatment is way worse than the disease. This AZT, yeah. uh, is, I think it was a cancer drug. It's a chemotherapy-based drug. Yeah, yeah it was. It, it suppresses DNA replication. It suppresses bone marrow formation. It basically just yeah. destroys you from the inside out. and. At the very beginning of this AIDS epidemic, when it was called GRID, the men were taking very, very, very high doses of AZT. And it's no wonder that they died like within a month or so, very short time after starting treatment. Yeah. And they made a Nobody point. can live on that They made stuff. a point to say that if you were using those chemotherapy-based drugs for cancer, you would use it for a month, maybe mm-hmm. at the most. But this was basically a lifelong application, which they didn't live very long. Yeah, and they after. made one concession. They said, oh, okay, maybe the doses are too high. Let's lower the dose. But even still, you lower the dose. You cannot live on AZT. <laughs> it's just no. impossible. Well, the crazy thing about it, too, is that the symptoms, like the side effects of the AZT, are the same as like AIDS. Yeah, like, yeah, you know all the all the different symptoms. So it's like all these people who are 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 you know having these massive side effects from the drugs. It just gets blamed on the disease. 
you're kind of like you know it's like one one of the things that the uh the drug leads to is uh is like just completely destroys your liver it's like mm-hmm. you know decimates your liver and they would look at that and say like oh your liver your liver's not doing too well that's the disease that's aids that's that's you know that's what's happening there and it's like well you know and how many of these situations if they just got off the drugs and you know maybe started making some lifestyle changes you know altered their diet all those kinds of things would actually recover and there are there are examples of that mm-hmm. there was yeah, um, par- sorry go ahead Elliot. No, 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 no! I cut you off. Sorry, Doug. Well, I was just going to say the the there was the one uh, girl in the uh, House of Numbers uh, video that was uh, um, Romanian, and uh, she had she was adopted by an American couple, and they tested her for HIV in Romania, and she was negative, so everything was all good. And then she was tested again once she got to the U.S., and lo and behold, she's positive. So they put her on this AZT drug. Um, At nine months. Know, this is, Nine, nine months, months old. old, yeah, and they kept her on it for 22 months, and she started have you know she was having leg cramps, she was losing weight, she was um, wasn't interested in food, like had all these kinds of th- symptoms that you know are also fall under the umbrella of AIDS, and um, so they were very concerned about this, and they wrote to um, it was that that German doctor Duesberg. whose name I forget, yes, Duesberg. And he uh, basically advised them to take her off the medication, which they did, and she has fully recovered. You know, mm-hmm. they showed her in that movie, um, which was out in, I think, 2010, um, and she was 19 years old then, and she was fine. And then in the other movie, False Posit- or Positively False, um, which came out, I think, in 2011, no, it was more recent, 2015 or 16, I think. And she was, uh, you know, a 20 or 20 something, and she's totally fine. And she's going around and like speaking at different like AIDS conferences and things like that, um, basically talking about how shitty these drugs are. Yeah, and so, all while she was growing up, the doctors were saying, "Well, maybe she might live another year," and then she get a little older. Well, maybe she might live another couple years. Yeah. <laughs> it's just disgusting. Unbelievable. Apparently, for the people who take this AZT drug, um, if you take it for three years, you have a 46.4% probability of developing lymphoma. Um, So that's a good fact there. But you won't die of AIDS? Uh, Well, apparently not, no. But uh, then again, you know, there's also good correlation between people who get AIDS um, and people who get cancer. So... uh, not sure how they differ, but yeah. Uh, then, there was a it just there's an interesting statistic. Um, it was in the period of 1988 through to 1996, there were 235,000 recorded AIDS deaths. Um, the author of this article says that AZT caused more than 96% of these deaths, with oh. 140. <laughs> Yeah, with with 140,000 deaths occurring in HIV positive young young gay men. Um, mm. So yeah, pretty pretty tragic. I mean, it says a lot that the chemotherapy people were like, "We're not going to use this anymore. It's really bad. You know, let's let's you know this this is a failure. Let's not do this." And then the AIDS people are like, "Oh, we'll try that. Yeah, let's mm-hmm. give it a go." So why don't we hear much about AIDS? 
these days. I don't know much about it. Like they don't care anymore. It's like something came in instead. And are they preparing for a new disease that they want to push? Well, I think it's also because it's kind of come up bust. You know, like the the thing that that got everybody scared about AIDS was the idea that HIV was um, sexually transmissible and that it would and therefore it was possible um, within heterosexual couples as well. And so suddenly it was something that could affect anybody. And I think that scared the crap out of people. And that's why, you know, and there was this constant propaganda, you know, magazine covers, ads on the subway, like everywhere. It was constantly pumped. But that never actually materialized. Like mm-hmm. a heterosexual epidemic of AIDS never came mm-hmm. to be. Never. So, so I think that was part of the issue. It's kind of like, well, you know, you've been telling us this for like 20 years and uh, I'm not seeing this. So I don't know. It didn't happen. Yeah. And you never hear about Magic Johnson anymore. I keep having to bring up Magic Johnson. <laughs> I heard of yeah. him. The dude is gigantic. <laughs> he looks very healthy to me. Mm. Yeah. But that was part of the whole PR campaign, and they addressed that in the documentaries, mm. that, you know, Hollywood stars were coming out, and, you know, it was it was... Like you said, Doug, it's this massive, it's almost like a brainwashing campaign. Like yeah. I was telling Tiffany before the show, when I was you know, like 10 or 12, I went to an AIDS benefit in San Francisco. And it was, you know, all these musicians were donating their time to raise money. And in the background between the sets, in a very low woman's voice, they repeated the same thing over and over. And it said, you know, never share needles, always wear a condom, get tested. Mm. I mean, over and over, it's like a, it's a psychological warfare, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and you know, you grew up as a kid thinking, well, if somebody has age, I, I can catch it if I drink out of the same drinking fountain. You know, it was yeah. this fear mongering that spread way worse than the disease. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people still I, believe that. Yeah. The first time I ever heard about AIDS, it was when I was probably like eight eight or nine years old, and a friend of mine told me you could get it from a toilet seat. (laughs) And and I think that that was left to go rampant because they wanted wanted the money. I mean, it just sounded like there was just always unlimited amounts of money for research, and yet here are all these researchers that are shown in this movie saying essentially the same thing, and they're silenced. And you know, they don't get funded mm-hmm. because we don't really want the research to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it just is like the we've said so many times on this show. It's the big pharma model. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same thing. It's like problem, reaction, solution. They, they, they create a problem or sort of identify a problem and push it, push it and push it like that psychological manipulation, you know, and then... <laughs> And then they come up with the the solution, you know, and mm-hmm. class it as some identify some BS HIV virus thing, and then say, ah, okay, yeah, you know, we've got the drug, we we can sort it now, yeah. so we're going to beat exactly. this. And they say this about every single thing, but they don't beat anything. It, it just no. gets worse. <laughs> like, when That's are people going to realize how long have we been fighting cancer? Seriously, <laughs> like, people still go for runs on that stuff, and they're like, yeah, we're going to beat it this year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they the war don't on cancer, the it. war on AIDS. 
Yeah. The war on drugs. <laughs> what if they just call it the war on people? The war yeah. on people's health. That's what it is. And the funniest is too when like it's and so revealing thalamus. when they do this. Uh, <laughs> They do these. Uh, the they they try to do the same thing again with like any little thing that comes up. Like what? Whatever happened to Zika? Yeah, like, and Ebola. Just, just like, where is Ebola? And Ebola. Yeah, where <laughs> I is like it? that one. Where is it? I want it back. And all the while we're seeing a huge rise in syphilis diseases, but nobody talks about that. Mm-hmm. You know, back to mm-hmm. the the safe sex. The STDs. shows how much people are practicing safe sex. Either condoms yeah, don't work a... or nobody's using condoms. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Well, you can have an idea of how the sexual behavior is these days from seeing the news, but also mm-hmm. because there is a severe problem with uh, resistant gonorrhea, you know, that antibiotics are not working anymore mm-hmm. in the UK, uh, for example. Hmm. Well, we clearly need a vaccine for that. Yeah, they're actually working on an AIDS vaccine. So I hear every now and again, uh, I don't hear much about it, but I heard a couple stories here and there about how they're Mm. trying to work on an AIDS vaccine. But I'm actually surprised that they haven't come up with one yet. Mm -hmm. Not that I think that it would be effective in the least, considering everything that we just talked about. But why would they... Not do they want to keep making money on all the drugs no. that they're selling, or do they know that if they introduce the vaccine, it might just blow the whole lid off this thing because it obviously. Well, they can't. I don't. I don't understand. I'm trying to figure. They can't. Out. Well, they can't do a vaccine if they haven't isolated the virus. Like they could. They can't do it. So I, I mean, know, despite the fact that they're saying that, the have, average like they, they, person doesn't know that they haven't isolated the virus, so they can just say yes. whatever. This so they is could our just vaccine. Like, well, I think there needs to be. Why did some they not level. do that? Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you mean say what you will about vaccines. I mean, I think they need to have at least like you know the the virus to put in there, like the dead virus or whatever to put in there. Like, yeah, I I think maybe like complete and total fraud <laughs> might I be question that a, a step regular too far for them. Too. I don't give them credit for anything. So uh, you don't think there's any any virus I, in, I in the know. vaccines that are out there? I don't know. <laughs> no, and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong. Like maybe no. the level of fraud is to that level. Like it I really is like you're getting is. just... I don't trust anything at all. But again, so all they need to do is mix up a vial of. I don't have my own lab. (laughs) I don't have my own microscope, even. I don't have electrons, stockerski, or whatever it's called. (laughs) There's no way for me to have firsthand knowledge of this and whether what they are doing is actually scientifically sound. But I do know, according to a person or an entity's history, that. They are capable of some whopping lies. So why should I? Yeah. This? Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I mean, I guess they could technically just get a vial, throw in some egg yolks, some mercury, and some <laughs> aluminum, and say, "Hey, here's the new HIV vaccine. We got it," and just start selling that across the country. Well, they were talking so, about that in one of the videos that we watched, and they said that if they did finally come out with an AIDS vaccine, they would have to include a letter to every patient who received it and say 
that if you ever take an HIV test after getting this vaccine, know that it might come up positive because of the <laughs> antibody response due to getting the vaccine. But if you have an antibody antibody response and you haven't got the vaccine, that means you have AIDS. I mean, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. What's the difference? I don't get it. I it's the same know. thing, isn't it? <laughs> you, you, you have Don't your own antibodies it, or you Elliot. get given antibodies Just that doesn't believe mean it. Yeah. believe it, it's the truth Elliot. <laughs> stop being a heretic <laughs> denier. you're a denier aren't you <sighs> again bad. like you know when you look at it from this perspective, it's really not too difficult to see what's what's gone on, you know. And it's it as we've said, it's the same thing. Um, you know, it's the same thing, the same sort of modus operandi that they use for every single other kind of disease and problem mm-hmm. that they come up with. And I think generally, I mean, it, what's so mind boggling is that they just constantly do anything that they can to avoid the idea of increasing someone's immune system naturally you know like anyone would think that if there is some sort of infectious disease that you want to have a good immune system and it's Mm -hmm. like these vaccine pushers and these scientists and stuff they do all that they can just to again like i said avoid any um, any way of increasing your immune system, you know, it's always we have to provide you with this outside source of this magic pill that's mm-hmm. gonna mm-hmm. somehow boost your immune system, you know. But but they they never they they never really look at what a good immune system is and how you could foster that sort of naturally as a any normal human being. Or normal human body should be able to do. Well, they anyway. just consider okay. the human body just this defenseless sack of cells <laughs> that is just open to all kinds of assaults, and it needs big pharma to protect it. And there's no money mm-hmm. to be made in any of that. No, you know, yeah. education it's is like not a big payout for big pharma. We're <laughs> <laughs> strengthening the terrain. Yeah. yeah, you know, like Pasteur said, yeah. it is the terrain, not the microbe. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. What's wrong about strengthening the terrain? Nobody will get sick anymore. Yeah. Well, and just what Elliot shared too about the stress mm-hmm. response and the destruction of the thalamus. So it's like a perfect cocktail. Mm-hmm. Well, some years ago, I showed the House of Numbers documentary to my mother. And she's not really into all the stuff that I'm into as far as bad things going on in medicine. She's healthily skeptical, more so than the average person. But she watched it, and all she could say was, those sons of bitches. (laughs) And that's exactly how I feel. Like, think of all the millions of people who have suffered and died and watched their loved ones die over some myth, basically. Over a severe side effect to these disastrous drugs and all the money that's been poured into it and all the publicity and all the fear that people have about it and all the stigma and discrimination against people who allegedly have it. This is just mind boggling. Those bastards. Yeah. 
well. Does anyone else have anything they want to share? Any personal testimonies? Mm-hmm. Are AIDS tests or HIV tests still a thing in the medical world, Gabby? Is it something that's done, you know, if you're in an accident or you're in an emergency room situation? It is done for as a pre-surgical protocol, anybody who's going to have surgery. So, like, the staff will know if they have to, you know, if they're working with somebody with one of these markers positive. Mm. Uh, but they I will take the same precautions anyway for everything. Yeah. <laughs> if <laughs> you should. thought that they, if they were clean or not, or there's always the possibility that somebody has something that you don't know. You always take standard precautions. Yeah. And is it something that's yeah. required before, say, you donate blood? They don't test you yeah. IV before you donate blood. They yeah. ask you these questionnaires, really? mm-hmm. which is another weird thing about the HIV test. They use it in certain parts of Africa where they have these rapid tests. You can just go into a mall and get an HIV test. They ask you all these questions about your sex life and history and all that stuff. And taken in conjunction with whatever your answers are on those tests, they look at your HIV test and they make a determination of positive or negative. Yeah. They take the lifestyle factors into account. That is just a bizarro world. Yeah. It kind of just shows how inaccurate the tests are. Like yeah. It's kind of like, well, you tested positive, but you're not uh, sexually promiscuous. You have never been an IV drug user, so you never had a blood transfusion, so you're probably fine. Yeah. Why don't you go next door and take one of their tests? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I think in the mainstream medicine. Oh, yeah. go on, Gabby. You were saying no in- that yeah. in mainstream medicine, like nobody talks about HIV anymore. No. Uh, people are more concerned about HCV, uh, um, hepatitis C, mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. the B one, you know, the C one that it's so destructive and you know, and uh, yeah, people are more concerned about that one. Hmm. Yeah, it never comes up where I work either. Interesting. With all the hype around it in the eighties, you thought you'd think it would be like still big news, but mm-hmm. yeah. When I was burning. when I was pregnant and I was on Medicaid, so essentially like a welfare type of insurance, it was required to have an HIV test. And it, and I'll share this. It's really disturbing. And when I think back, I can't even believe I sat through this situation with this doctor, but. I was there with the father and, you know, he basically looked at him and said, well, she won't kill you with AIDS. That was how he said I had a negative test. Mm. So, again, back to the the fear mongering and, you know, you're Mm -hmm. waiting to get the results. Mm -hmm. And it's psychologically very stressful because then you think, oh, I have a baby. And, uh, you know, I mean, they. Like you said, Tiffany, oh, all your partners, and now what do you call people? And oh, uh, I'm HIV positive. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I, I had an <laughs> had an AIDS scare once, but I never taken an HIV test. And this was maybe in the early to mid '90s. I had a yeast infection, so I was reading through there, like on the packet for the medicine for the yeast infections, if you have chronic yeast infections. And so far, I'd only had the one. 
And so far, I'd only had sex once, and he'd use a condom. So this is my history going into it. I read the the package, and it said, if you have recurrent yeast infections, it could be a sign of AIDS. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was totally freaked out for a couple weeks at least. And then, you know, of course, the yeast infection goes away, and I just calmed down. It's like, are you... You stupid! You don't have the AIDS. What are you talking about? <laughs> but that just attests to the level of fear mongering that was rampant at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> All right. I've got tested for HIV. I had an accident once in the parading room for somebody who was positive for hepatitis C. So the protocol is that you have to take the test, make sure you are negative, and then repeat it, you know, some uh, months afterwards to make sure it's negative. And uh, because the patient was positive, the protocol called for antiviral medication. And uh, the doctor just told me point blank, if I were you, I will not take it because all these drugs, they have more side effects and the chances that you will get this infection. I said, okay, and that's fine. And uh, that's it. Yeah. Wow. But it takes it seriously. Mm-hmm. Sounds like Even, a good doctor, Gabby. Yeah, and it says a lot <laughs> that, that, that doctors know that and that they mm-hmm. would tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So, and it was a direct, uh, you know, I, um, I pinched my finger with an infected needle and still mm. the doctor said, ah, you will, don't worry, you know, I will not take the drugs if I were you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was not planning to because it was, <laughs> but yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, and even wow. one of the drugs that they were prescribing was called heart, which again, back to this whole idea of words and what they choose to call these things. You know, they, it's the highly active retrovirus therapy, but they call it heart. Yeah. Is that, that's the one also, like yes. AZT fits in that category, but yes. it causes the buffalo humps where they have these fat oh, deposits yeah. on the back of their necks and just like, a hunchback. They look like hunchbacks. Yeah. And they have this wasting syndrome where the fat on their face disappears and they look totally, the term is kachectic, I think. Maybe just like yeah, all the fat on you. Kachectic. Yeah. Oh. You know what I mean. So <laughs> all the fat on them disappears and they just look a wreck. And it's not because mm-hmm. of the disease. It's not because of AIDS. It's because they're taking these medications. Yeah, and cancer patients get, you know, get cancer yeah. too, you know. Mm-hmm. So your body wastes away, you know. So where's the research going to go where they will put all that together? Would it ever happen? No. 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 They're it's, never going to go back and say we the were Institute wrong. for Side Effects. Yeah. Of yeah. Drugs. They'll never say, it's, okay, guys, we were wrong. <laughs> Can you imagine the lawsuits? I mean, what yeah. the, if they do anything, they would just kind of quietly kind of back off. And then in a couple of generations, they'll say, oh, yeah, that was all wrong. 
And then there's yeah. nobody left. To sue them well, maybe and, that's uh, what we're seeing because we're not seeing this hype anymore over it. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Just the just slow hope it just back, falls down the memory up. hole like uh, smallpox or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. similar to what I think it was the FDA or the American Heart Association. I think it was the FDA who recently uh, lowered the restriction of cholesterol in the diet. I'll have to check that. I'm not sure exactly which agency it was, but one of the big ones basically came out and said, okay, and this was on the quiet, you know, it's just like a small press release or something. It wasn't massively known, but they basically says, okay, we're going to release the restrictions on cholesterol because there's not really much evidence to say that limiting dietary cholesterol uh, has any benefit for cardiovascular disease. Uh, but that wasn't like a massive thing from what I can remember. And so, and that's a couple years on. I mean, that's a few decades. <laughs> so huh. maybe, maybe that's a similar sort of thing that they, they're doing with AIDS. Maybe one day in the next couple of years, they may just come out and say, Hey, you know, this isn't necessarily something you need to worry about, hmm. but they won't, you know, actually taking a stand and saying we were wrong. They, they, <laughs> they don't tend to do that as we know. But they might just say, oh, yeah, so the evidence suggests that something is not what we thought. But that doesn't mean that we were wrong. It just means that it's not what we thought it was. <laughs> yeah. well, I think like they're going to the... wait till all those researchers die. Yeah. yeah. That Could came be. out, you know. Well, it's kind of like the American Dental Association, too. Like, they still absolutely refuse to say there's anything wrong with mercury and amalgams. Like, it's totally fine, no problem. But then they just kind of like, well, we're not going to use it anymore. And it's like, <laughs> well, why not? If there's nothing wrong with it, then why are you stopping using it? But it's kind <laughs> of like, fluoride. you know. Fluoride, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, you know, eventually they will probably come out and say, yeah, we were wrong. But all the people who have mercury in their mouth are dead now, so. There's yeah. nothing, uh, nothing that we have to worry about. So we can, we can actually admit it <laughs> if they ever do. Yeah, we don't have to pay anyone off. Like, exactly. that's basically what it means. We don't have to pay for any lawsuits. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Another sad saga. Yeah. In the history of <laughs> the health and wellness show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And health and wellness show. <laughs> Another We're the most objective health and wellness show. <laughs> <laughs> and we're willing to be proven wrong. <laughs> yeah. How come Madonna never got AIDS? <laughs> like she was talking about it all the time and she was surrounded by people and talking about how she was losing people to this disease and she was raising mm -hmm. awareness for it and stuff like that. But she also happened to be like, well, by reputation anyway, like super promiscuous. She you is know, the one who offered fellatio to everybody who voted for Hillary Clinton. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, she's clearly not, um, you know, uh, conservative, I guess you would say, in her, in her sexual behavior. So if it actually is spread amongst uh, heterosexuals and is sexually transmissible, how come, how come she never came down with it? How come a lot I mean, of people I mean, that I know didn't come down with it? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There you go. Well, I guess we will uh, wrap it up here. We do not have a pet, pet health segment today. I wonder if cats and dogs get the AIDS. Oh, there is feline AIDS. There is. Okay, is there? Never mind. Yeah, so I've read. Huh. I mean, that could be totally bogus, too. <laughs> 
So we're, we're all st- still left shaking our head wondering. So for our listeners and chatters who may be interested in wanting to look more into this topic, we do recommend... House of Numbers. House of Numbers. What was the other one? The Positively False Birth Posit- of a Heresy. Yeah, and that's the newest one. Would you say it came out in 2015, Doug? I don't remember, but it was it was more recent than House of Numbers. So. Yeah. And I also put up a link for a documentary that was made by Gary Null um, called AIDS Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And so they all have very similar information and they all kind of ask the questions that a lot a lot of people haven't asked and yeah. a lot of interviews with people about their experiences and um yeah you can also look up Peter Duesberg just type his name into Google and you get a lot of stuff and also the Perth group their number uh, a group of scientists who question the mainstream HIV AIDS hypothesis and um John Rappaport as well He's done yeah. some good articles. He actually wrote a book. I think yeah, it was also called it, AIDS Inc. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and he has a lot of, you know, citations and interviews. So so there's a lot out there that really questions it. So I hope today we were able to at least scratch the surface on it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I just want to add as well that if you you yourself or anyone that you know tests HIV positive, like don't freak out because it probably doesn't even mean anything. There's mm-hmm. a very high probability that what the test is testing for uh, is not really known about, um, and that even if you do have antibodies towards some sort of retrovirus, if it does exist, then the chances are it's not much of a problem, because people live for years and years and years with HIV with no symptoms and basically just live long and healthy lives. Um and they One don't thing transfer would add, it to their partners either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, if if you you know if you know anyone who's diagnosed with AIDS or is or you yourself have been diagnosed with AIDS, the likelihood you know the likelihood of that happening, like a listener of the show being diagnosed with AIDS, pretty slim. But if it does happen, then really, I mean, don't take the drugs. That's clear. That's pretty obvious. Secondly, just work on building a good immune system you know vitamin c is like an amazing one for the immune system there's been so much research done on vitamin c for all kind of conditions as most people here probably already know about linus pauling he did some amazing work on vitamin c um you know eating a healthy diet just living stress-free really (laughs) just try to be chilled out try not to get stressed and you know do all the other things that we talk about on this show, and you'll probably not die from AIDS. You know, the AIDS won't be a bad thing for you, honestly. <laughs> Although I should say, don't take that as medical advice. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah I'm not a doctor. If you've had an HIV test, uh, you know, but don't don't just ignore it and be like, some guy on a radio show told me I can ignore this and it would be fine. <laughs> so, just yeah, you know, take it seriously, but. Uh, Good disclaimer. Yeah, maybe get a and second. And get lots opinion. of sleep. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you all for uh, joining us. Thank you to our chatters. And we would like sometime in the future to have somebody call in. So <laughs> stay tuned. Uh, Sunday show behind the headlines. 
and uh, we'll bye bye. see you all again. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys.